if you are a Christian, especially if you're studying theology and you're really trying to think through and understand the gospel, you might be asking yourself, well, what about language of redemption? What about language of propitiation? What about language of all these different terms that come up in the New Testament? And those are aspects of it, but that is not the core, core gospel message itself. Welcome to Engage Your World, brought to you by Engage 360 Ministries. All right, so guys, in the last episode, we were talking about the context for the gospel. We said, you know, if the gospel is the good news, often it's said you need to know the bad news before you can know the good news. Jordan, as you pointed out, you need to know the good news before you can understand the bad news. What was that original state we were created in? And so we covered that. Um, what was the purpose of our creation? How did it how did it come to be that we're in this sinful world that separates us from God and points us to the need for a solution? Today, we're going to talk about that solution. We're going to talk about the gospel. So that word can be thrown around, but when we are using it to mean the Christian gospel, the gospel of Christ, what is it that we're talking about? The gospel is the most important and powerful message ever given to man by God. It literally means good news. And it's only through this message that man can be eternally saved. Or as Paul states in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation for all people. So what is it? What is this good news? Well, if we transition to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul gives to us what he himself has received. He calls it the gospel. He says, this is what you guys are being saved by. It's what's continuing to save you. And he says that it's of first importance. And so starting in verse one, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on a third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. And so here we have, and it's it's interesting because this is actually in creedal form, and some scholars date this within two years of Jesus's death. And so this could likely have been one of the first Christian creeds that the first Christians had memorized. And we learn that this right here, this is the gospel. And we see that broken down into four points. And Greg, you did a good job while reading it to kind of enunciate it. But I want to really read it again to make it very clear. Listen for the word that. He said, I delivered to you as the first importance what I also received. That Christ died. That he was buried. That he was raised. And that he appeared. So we have four points. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ rose from the dead, and then he appeared to people or he was seen by people. And so what we have thought about as a ministry is kind of how these four points relate. Because if you hear gospel preaching today, oftentimes, well, they will almost always mention Christ's death and they will often mention his resurrection. But we don't usually hear that second and fourth point that Paul mentions of burial and appearance. And so the question is, why does Paul bring these up? And we believe the reason is because he's trying to give these as evidence for the claims being true. So the second point supports the first point, and the fourth point supports 
the third point. So when Paul says Christ, he died. Well, how do we know that's true? Well, he was buried. There is a tomb. And when he says that Christ was raised from the dead, how do we know that? Well, he appeared to people. He appeared to people who saw him and are witnesses. And so those are, that's kind of how those four points relate. You can think of it as two main points, the death and the resurrection, and two sub points of proof of burial being proof of the death, appearances being proof of the resurrection. And it's just an interesting point that the gospel really is a historically based faith. Evidence-based, sorry. Yeah, it's an evidence-based faith. Even by saying that he died in accordance with the scriptures and that he raised was raised in accordance with the scriptures, we don't have time to go into it now, but you can go and see the prophecies from Isaiah 53 and Psalm 16 and see that this is just more and more evidence being piled together in this tight, concise explanation of what the gospel is. Yeah, you have these three lines of evidence r- running together that this was expected. It was told be- beforehand this kind of thing was going to happen that we know that he actually died and that we know he was actually raised. And these are things real people saw that, that it's not just you know made up. It's not a story. It's not something one person said they got a secret message about. <clears throat> I think that's really distinct. Um, and But yet it's the gospel focused in on those two points of that Jesus died and that he was raised. And we see that throughout much of the New Testament. Yes, actually, if you follow Peter and Paul and Acts, you'll notice that when they're giving the gospel and Luke actually records how they give the gospel, they always directly talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And they either directly or indirectly always hit the fact that he is the Christ, he lived, he died, he was buried, he rose, and they were witnesses. Matter of fact, if you go, you just start with Pentecost, the first sermon in the history of the church. What would be the most important message to give in the first sermon in the history of the church? Whatever that distinction is over the the old system and whatever is new. Exactly. And the gospel. And so if you look at this, you'll notice as you read through Peter's sermon, Peter actually re- gives the gospel and he reiterates the gospel three times. And so in verse 31, he mentions Christ. Verse 36, both Lord and Christ. Verse 38, name of Jesus Christ. He is the Christ. He is the anointed one. Well, he died. Verse verse 23, he's crucified and killed. Verse 24, pangs of death. Verse 36, you crucified. Well, what about his burial? Verse 27, soul to Hades. 31, abandoned to Hades. What about his resurrection? Verse 24, God raised him up. Verse 31, the resurrection of Christ. Verse 32, the, this Jesus God raised up. And were there witnesses? Yes, there were. There were a lot of them. Verse 22, as you yourselves know, verse 32, we are all witnesses. Verse 40, he bore witness. And so this is great because we can just go to Peter, Paul, Philip, Stephen, and Acts and see, look, wow, here's a, an amazing blueprint. Here, the, the gospel is given to us. It's it's replicated. It's, it's patterned. And they give it the same way that Paul affirms it and, and relays it in 1 Corinthians 15. It's not confusing. It's it's so crystal clear. It reminds me of uh, uh, what you're just saying there. It kind of reminds me too of Paul uh, and, and just thinking of the historical uh, context and that this is something it, it was witnessed by so many as, as Peter's 
talking about in Pentecost. And when Paul is before Festus Agrippa and he says, you know, these things are reasonable and true for they were not done in a corner. They were not done in hiding. These are public events, you know, and Festus saying, will you expect me to become a Christian this quickly? And Paul's essentially saying, well, yeah, because you know all this stuff happened. Just put it together. Put the pieces together. It's all right there for you. Yeah, and so the gospel, again, to reiterate it like Peter does in that sermon, it's the death and resurrection of Christ, and there's evidence for those things. And if you are a Christian, especially if you're studying theology and you're really trying to think through and understand the gospel, you might be surprised at us saying that it really is just those two points. You might be asking yourself, well, what about language of redemption? What about language of propitiation? What about language of, um, I mean, all these different terms that come up in the New Testament. And those are aspects of it, but that is not the core, core gospel message itself. So the way that we've kind of thought of how to distinguish between these is there is the what of the gospel, which is just those basic points that we've gone over, the death and the resurrection. Then there's the why of the gospel. That's where we get into theories about, okay, how does Jesus' death actually solve the problem of our sin, the problem of our separation, the problem of our upcoming judgment before God? And to just give a quick overview of how we talk about that, and we can go over this more in our trainings, but essentially there are three reasons why Jesus' death solves the problem that we're in. And the first is that he takes our sin. Peter says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That's from 1 Peter 2.24. Isaiah 53.6 says that the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So remember, sin is the problem. It is sin that cuts us off from God, separating us from him. So when Jesus takes our sin, he's taking away that thing which is removing us from God. But secondly, not only does Jesus take, but he gives. He gives us his own perfection. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul says that in him, we can become the righteousness of God, which is just crazy language that the gospel gives us the righteousness of God. That's what Paul goes on to expound at length in Romans. Like the whole book of Romans is about this idea of how does God's righteousness become ours? And then third, Jesus, death and resurrection is the defeat of death. And the rest of 1 Corinthians 15, which we've been talking about a lot so far, goes into detail about how death is swallowed up in victory. That when the divine man, Jesus, enters into the grave, he blows it up on the inside. He destroys death for us so that we can live eternally. And so you could go into that in tons of detail, but there's the what of the gospel, which is really simple. There's the why, which gets a lot more complicated. Then there's also the how, the how of how do you actually receive this good news? How do you actually receive the benefits of what Jesus did? And we'll actually get into that in our next podcast. But the short and sweet of it is through faith and repentance, which basically comes down to trusting God and turning from sin. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. And keeping in mind, this, this actually happened. This is a historical event. Christianity is the only major religion founded on a publicly witnessed historical event. Um, you think of most other religions, and while it would be true that it's historical if it actually happened, it's not historically verifiable. So it's it's a revelation received by someone secretly in a cave or in a forest, or an angel appears, or there's all these varying, but it's almost always some sort of someone was meditating or someone was in prayer, and something happens. But 
there's no one else that can prove that it actually happened. So we kind of have to take them at their word. So of course, if these events happened, uh, founding one of these other major religions, then yes, it would be historical, but it's not historically verifiable. Where Christianity is simultaneously the most easily falsifiable religion, and also because it can't be falsified, because it hasn't been falsified, the most historically reliable or verifiable and the, and the only religion that you could say we really have strong evidence, not just personal feelings or cultural kind of continuity with this religion, but that, no, it, it actually happened. There were people who saw this. Their lives were changed. They were willing to die. They were willing to suffer. And a lot of the times we don't think about it like this. We don't think of the Bible as history. Uh, or at least many of us don't. When I, I when I became a Christian, there were kind of some interesting points. But one, I was looking in a chart in the first Bible that I got, a study Bible, and I saw these timelines of these different cultures, and then the Jews and what was happening in Israel along with these other cultures or where they were, and it hit me for the first time that this was real history, not. Sort of like, I wouldn't have said it was fake before, but I thought there was real history. And then there were kind of like Bible stories, which were somewhere between real history and kind of made up things. And then there's just totally made up things. And so I just hadn't thought of it that way and had a very similar incident. We were um, up in a small mountain town here in North Carolina, uh, had a lot of tourists and, and we were doing an event up there. And so we went out and just had conversations with people on the street in the parks and I ended up talking with an older couple, uh, uh, maybe they were older than me, at least uh, maybe late 50s, early 60s, and got into conversation, asked what they were up here for, and they were asking about us. So we were telling them about this event we were doing, this training, uh, it was for Christians and um, what we kind of go into. And they said, oh, you know, we used to be sort of religious and they had a nominal Christian upbringing. I think the guy was nominally Catholic. The woman had a nominal Christian background and, but they hadn't, they said, I asked, you know, what is their involvement now? And they said, oh, we haven't done anything with religion or church for years and said something that, that made it. So this was a good follow up, but they said something about, you know, stories. I, I liked a lot of the stories or whatever, you know, some of the stories were helpful, but it just was kind of, we matured past it. And I said, you know, so that's interesting. Have you ever read these aspects of the Bible and quoted, wrote, talked about some things? And they said, no. Said, have you, have you ever thought about the fact that this is actually true, that this, this happened in history? And the guy said, you know, I've never thought about Christianity as something that was either true or false. I've just kind of thought about it as something that you just do if you like it or not but not that it's actually true or false. But now that you say that, that makes sense. You're right. Either either Jesus rose from the dead or he didn't. There's not really an alternative way. Yeah, and Greg, you had a story, if you could share that real quick, that I think ties together a lot of the elements we've been talking about, mainly about the simplicity of the gospel. If there's one thing I want our listeners to come away from this podcast with, is their confidence that they actually know what the gospel message is because it's simple and it really does have power to salvation. God has made us all differently. We have different intelligence, different interests, different questions, objections. Some people are wired to be intellectual giants and they really care about the evidence and making sure everything corresponds to reality and they want to dissect everything. But not everyone's like that. I, I remember I was standing outside of a court 
house um, doing evangelism, waiting for people to walk out. Usually people leaving the courthouse are not that happy. And um, I saw a young man walking out and just had like a 30-minute conversation with him and wanted to just cut to the chase, just just the, the simple gospel. You're a sinner. Jesus died for your sins. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. And, and the young man started tearing up crying. And uh, I asked him if he'd like to respond. And he said, yes. I asked him if he would turn from his sin and put his faith in Christ Jesus alone for salvation. He said, yes. And it was just, it was remarkable. It was a miracle, really. I mean, you, it, it reminded me, I have really nothing to do with this other than I'm just the tool that God's using. And this is actually the power of God to salvation. And I'm, I'm right before my eyes witnessing a miracle. I'm seeing a, a young man go from uh, a child of wrath. Dejected. Separated from God to having his relationship restored with God and becoming a member of a royal priesthood and a new creation right before my eyes. It was just and just a simple gospel. And, and it, it, it just the power of God, bam, to salvation. That's incredible. And so then to just sum up this podcast, in our previous episode, we talked about the context of the gospel, why the gospel is necessary. Even though we are made in fellowship with God, we were made to know him, to love him, to glorify him. We chose to sin and we broke ourselves off from fellowship with God. Our sin created a separation. So then in this podcast, we've talked about the good news, which is that Jesus has entered into time and space. He is God man. He's the God man. And he took our sin and he died and he rose from the dead and we can be saved. And so we broke that into three aspects. There's the what of the gospel. And those are those four points in first Corinthians 15 that Jesus died. He was buried. He rose from the dead and he appeared to many people. Then we talked a little bit about the why. And we talked about how Jesus takes our sin. He gives us his righteousness and he defeats death. And in this next podcast, we're going to talk about the how of the gospel. How can this wonderful, great, glorious news actually have an impact to an individual person? So tune in next week and we'll talk about that.